th- this message series is called Resolutions, and, um, and if you guys know anything about me and my process on how to, how to write stuff, you'll know that sometimes the titles don't really matter at all. Um, and so I just chose the term Resolutions because uh, I already had this graphic. And so it was just easy to do. So, um, and it's on our mind, Resolutions. But I really want to kind of get into it the next few weeks because um, as I was thinking about the idea of resolutions, I, I got to thinking about the things that we always want to change. Have, have you ever noticed at the end of the year, you're always wanting to change some things, right? You get to the end of the year and you start saying things like, next year is going to be different. Next year, we're going to do this. Um, I, I get that speech a lot from my wife. She lets me know all the things that I need to change for next year. She, she has a list of them for me. And she's like, next year, you're going to be a better dad. Next year, you're going to be a better husband. She gives me all the lists. And so we've got these resolutions we start making in our life. And most of the time, we fail the resolutions by February, right? Um, if you ever notice, if you look at uh, one of the things that I see every so often is, is um, gym trends. And they say gyms in January typically get maxed out. Like you go to the gym in January, no matter what gym you go to, you go to the YMCA, you go to CrossFit, you go to uh, Fit Body uh, Booty Camp or whatever it is over there. I don't know, all the camp things and the fits. And you go to whatever you want to go to. And listen, here's what's going to happen. January, they're all peak. In February, they all fall off, right? Why? Because we get really pumped up at the beginning of the year about making one change in our life or doing something different. And then after a while, we kind of we, we lose that steam. And so um, I want to talk for the next few weeks, um, I want to talk about how to maintain some growth and some development going into this new year. Some things that I feel like we need to add to our life to help us out in the year coming up. And before we get into that, though, I want to give you a couple of resolutions. I, I looked at this thing. It was a list from Twitter of, of some of the resolutions people have posted on Twitter. And I just want to give you four resolutions people have posted. I think these are pretty funny. The first one is this. Stop kids from eating dirt. <laughs> Listen, if your kid's eating dirt, you got more problems than just trying to stop them from eating dirt. There's something else going on there, right? Stop kids from eating dirt. Another one that people posted was stop kids from flossing in public. At least they're flossing, so that's a good thing. But it is kind of gross whenever you got somebody pulling all that uh, bacon out. Are you sure it's not flossing their teeth? No. Well, I feel 100 years old. And I'm going to start flossing in public, my teeth, just for you. That'll be your New Year's resolution next year. Get my husband to stop flossing his teeth in public. The other one is this. Watch every episode of Power Rangers. These are done by adults. This isn't little kids posting this stuff. This is adults. Watch every episode of Power Rangers. And the last one that I want to put on here that I think is so funny is, wash my underwear more often. Can I just give you guys a tip real quick? Wash your underwear every time. Like, you don't need to rewear that stuff. Wear it, wash it immediately. Put it straight in the, or burn it. Whatever the case is, buy more. I don't know. Um, but wash, wash your underwear. Don't let that be a New Year's resolution for you. That should be a normal thing. Um, so today, to jump into this message, we're going to talk about a guy that had some resolutions. He had some things he wanted to do better. And um, the Bible calls him, he doesn't have a name, the Bible calls him the rich young ruler. It's kind of the title he's been given. And we find him in Matthew chapter 19. So if you would uh, open up your Bibles or flip through your phone, get to Matthew chapter 19, verses 16 through 24. We're going to read this whole little story here. It says this, Someone came to Jesus with this question, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? 
So this guy, right off, the, right off the bat, he's got a question. He wants to know, how do I have eternal life? There's something missing, and I need to add it to my life. I need to figure this out. And so Jesus says this, why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, there's only one who is good. But to answer your question, if you want to receive eternal life, keep the commandments. Which ones, the man asked. Jesus replied, you must not murder, you must not commit adultery, you must not steal, you must not testify falsely. Honor your father and mother, love your neighbor as yourself. So he pulls some of the Ten Commandments. He pulls uh, one, one of the two great commandments, uh, love your neighbor as yourself, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He pulls those out and gives them to the guy. And the guy says this. Um, he says, I've obeyed all these commandments. Verse 20, the young man replied, what else must I do? Jesus told him, and this is where we're going to get the title of our message today. Jesus said, if you want to be perfect, everybody say perfect. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. But when the young man heard this, he went away sad, for he had many possessions. Then Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth, it's very hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. I'll say it again, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Now, I, I want to point a couple of things out before we get into this, because right off the bat, some, some, we're going to have some misconceptions. This is not a statement about rich people. This is not saying rich people can't go to heaven. Jesus isn't saying that. As a matter of fact, there's quite a few rich people in the Bible that God used in, in amazing ways. Abraham was extremely wealthy, right? Joseph, once he got out of prison and he became um, second in command over Egypt, was extremely wealthy. Uh, we even look at the guy, Joseph of Arimathea, who, who took Jesus from the cross and buried him in his own tomb. This guy was said to be very wealthy. So it's not a statement about money. This, this isn't a, a, an issue about money. This is really an issue about the heart. And that's what we're going to kind of get into today. And I need you to understand. The other thing I want you to look at is the word perfect. Now, sometimes when we hear the word perfect, we think this is some kind of um, unattainable standard that we have to figure out how to be, right? And we all know that nobody is perfect, right? As a matter of fact, we live in a culture that really doesn't like perfect. If you see somebody that's perfect, the first thing you want to do is go try to find all the skeletons in their closet to figure out what they've done to make them not perfect. Speaking of skeletons in the closet, can I sidetrack real quick? Did you know, did you, this is so interesting to me, did you know that Benjamin Franklin not only had a house in the United States, but had a house in England? And did you know that they went through and they were looking through his house in England and they found a room, I hope this is true because it's so crazy, they found a room in his house in England in the basement and it was like a sub, like a secret room, and they found bodies, bones of bodies of people, like, like 16 Dead people in Benjamin Franklin's basement. So, if you don't want your $100 bills, I understand. And I will take them. That's good. But we're always looking, we're always looking for ways to pick someone apart. When they seem too perfect, we try to pick them apart. We want people that are real. We don't want people that are perfect. But, but really, in the Bible, when the, word, when the Bible says the word perfect, here's what it means. And, and I've got a um, definition for you for perfect. It means to be complete. I think I do. Yeah. It, it means uh, uh, teleos. It means uh, having reached its end, complete or mature. It, it means having gone through the necessary steps to reach a goal. So when I say to you, when Jesus says to this young man, he says, do you want to be perfect? He, he's not saying, do you want to be 
perfect in our sense of nothing wrong. He's saying, do you want to be perfect? Are you looking to feel complete? And you know what I think uh, is that most of us in life, we don't necessarily have to be perfect. We don't necessarily, we're not all sitting around here saying, I wish I was the richest. I wish I was the most handsome. I, I wish I had more hair. Like we're not saying all that stuff. We're just saying, I wish I could feel complete. I wish I could feel like nothing was missing. And see, this rich young ruler, this, this wealthy young man, there was something missing. He had everything. He had the influence. He had the money. He had the property. He had all the things that everybody could want. He even had the religion. The Bible says that he, he said, I've already kept those commandments. So he had a lot of things going for him, but there was still one thing that eluded him. He didn't feel complete. And he's asking Jesus, how do I get eternal life? Like there's something, I've got all the things on earth, but but what happens when I lose all this? What happens when I die? I've got, I, I want to feel complete. Something's missing in my life. And I think sometimes whenever we start making New Year's resolutions, we're doing that because we feel like something's missing. We feel like something's missing. For real, like with, with, with our family, I feel like this is a big part. Whenever Perry and I talk about some of the things we want to do different next year, a lot of times the reason we talk about it is because we feel like there's something missing maybe there's something missing relationally or there's something missing spiritually and so we start trying to make changes to to fill the void of what's missing and so this year one of the things i want to be is is i don't want to just be um healthier i don't want to just be smarter i don't want to just be a better preacher i want to be complete i want to be complete as a husband, I want to be complete as a father. I want to be complete as a leader. I want to be complete when it comes to my health or my finances or my marriage. I want to be complete. I don't want to have things missing. I don't want any gaps in what I'm doing. And so, so that's going to be kind of the, the crux of where we're headed with this whole series is the idea is how do I become complete? Well, we'll, we'll give you four points today and then, then next week we'll expound on one of those. And, and the first thing is this, complete starts with one thing. So if you're taking notes today, complete starts with one thing. I think too often when it comes to New Year's resolutions, one of the things that we do is we throw this big, huge resolution out there, right? We throw this big resolution out there and then we don't complete it. That's why in February we're falling off the wagon because we've told ourselves this year I'm eating right and I'm going to do carnivore and paleo and I'm going to eat no sugar and I'm going to eat all the carbs and I'm going to eat no carbs and I'm going to eat as much fat as possible and I'm going to work out every single day. As a matter of fact, I'm going to work out twice a day and we say all these big, huge things and then we wonder why we fail later on. You fail because you had too much stuff on your plate and you couldn't do it all. But I think it's interesting that to be complete starts with one thing. I want you to notice uh, Mark tells the same story about the rich young ruler, but Mark throws in one little detail that Matthew didn't throw in. And here's what Mark said in Mark chapter 10, verse 21. It says, and Jesus looking at him, loved him and said, you lack one thing. Go and sell your possessions and give to the poor and, and you'll have treasure in heaven and come follow me. Sometimes a major overhaul is too much. It's just one thing. That we need to change. It's one thing we need to add. One thing we need to take away. It's just one thing. So as we start processing through this series. The thing I want you and I to be praying about. Is is I want us to be praying about God. What is the one thing? What is the one thing? When it comes to my marriage. I, I can't. 
I'm, not, I'm never going to be the best husband in the whole wide world uh, by, by, you know, January 6th. So what's one thing I can do? Now, guys, I'm going to tell you right now, you probably don't have to pray about that one. If you're a husband today, your wife will let you know what the one thing is. Just ask her. She knows. She's got seven of them, and she'll give you the first one on the list. But what's the one thing? What's the one thing I need to do in my faith? In my relationship with Christ, what's one thing that I can add? What's one area that I can tweak, that I can change? So today we start off with one thing. The Bible says, um, I didn't put this verse back there, but the Bible says don't despise the day of small beginnings. Don't look down on small changes. Don't look down on small beginnings. Hey, you need to celebrate the small. And sometimes it's those small tweaks that lead to big changes. Have you ever noticed whenever you're driving down the road right? And you take your eyes off the road for just a split second. It doesn't take much. And, and the faster you're driving, the, the, the easier it is to get off track, right? So when you're driving down the road and all it takes is just a little that, if you're driving 70 miles an hour and you do this, guess what? You're in the median, right? You're spinning out. So it, it's one little move, but it can make a big difference. The same is true with our life. One little change, one little addition can make a huge impact on us. The second thing is this. To be complete will cost me something. To be complete is going to cost me something. You know, we're always looking for the magic pill. You know, in America, it's, 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 it's about speed, right? How fast can I make the change that needs to be made? How quickly can I get to the place that I need to get to? We, we, we have a problem in, in our finances and we're looking for the one investment, the one investment that will change our whole lives, right? How can I invest my $100 and get a million tomorrow, right? We have a bump in the road in our marriage and we're looking for a quick fix. I need someone to come tell me exactly what to do and, and counsel me one time and get me out of this mess. We look at our health and we say, if I could just... You know, that, that's why whenever you look online and you, you see all this stuff, it's always about, you know, how this guy transformed his body in one month. And I'm like, yeah, I'll tell you how he did it. Steroids, you know, absolutely. He cheated, you know, like it's easy to do. And, and so we're always looking for the quick fix. But in the, in the Bible, um, the Bible's not about quick fixes. As a matter of fact, the Bible says things are going to cost you something. There's no magic pill. There's no free anything. It's going to cost you something. There, there's a place in the Bible where David was... I didn't put this one in there either. I just thought about it. But there's a place in the Bible where David, uh, King David in the Old Testament, is needing to make a sacrifice and he needs a, a place to do it. And he goes to this guy, one of his neighbors, and he says, hey, I would like to purchase this, this piece of land so that I can make this sacrifice to God. And the guy says, no, 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 you're the king. I'll give it to you. And David goes, no, I can't give anything to my God that didn't cost me anything. He said, it's got to cost me something. And David paid for the land. Um, as a matter of fact, Jesus said this in Luke chapter 14. He says, don't begin talking about following him. I think this is so interesting. Jesus isn't just trying to get everybody to follow him. You think he would. You think Jesus would be like, hey, how can I get the most people to follow me? But Jesus is like discouraging people from following him. He says this, he says, but don't begin, don't start following me until you count the cost. For who would begin a construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? 
Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money, and then everyone would laugh at you. I think that's kind of funny. They're all going to laugh at you. Uh, verse 30. They would say there's one, this, this person started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. Or, or what king would go to war against another king without first sitting down with his counselors to discuss whether his army of 10,000 could defeat the 20,000 soldiers marching against him. And, he, and if he can't, he will send a delegation to discuss terms of peace while the enemy is far off. Verse 33. So you cannot become my disciple without giving up everything you own. Jesus said, in order to follow me, it's going to cost you something. In order to be complete, it's going to cost you something. Listen, you want to do better at, you know, reading your Bible and having a personal devotion time. It's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you a little bit of sleep. It's going to cost you a little bit of time. If you want to get healthier this year, it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you a gym membership. It's going to cost you to eat right. It's going to cost you to work out even whenever you don't want to. It's going to cost you something. You want to have a better marriage? It's going to cost you something. You're, you're going to have to spend more time with your spouse or, or you're going to have to do things differently than the way you've been doing them. You want to be a better child or a better parent? It's going to cost you something. You need to think about the cost. And that's one of the things Jesus says to this young ruler is he says, listen, there's one thing you lack, so let's work on the one thing. The next thing he says is go and sell everything you own and give it away. It's going to cost him something. Now, he's not telling all of us to go sell everything we own. This is for this guy specifically, and we need to know what it is that it's going to cost us. God, what it is that you're speaking to me today, but it's going to cost us something. Yesterday, I, I took, um, so one of my resolutions is to hunt more, right? Um, and, uh, and to fill up my freezer, because I need the meat, right? And, and my wife is on board, because my wife likes the deer meat, to fill the freezer like that's what she wants and so i'm just really i'm really just um trying to do what she wants me to do by going in the woods more often and so um so yesterday i'm, I'm going out to hunt and and as i go out to hunt colt was like i want to go with you and i was like cool and i love having colt with me and so he and i are going out to hunt and and my dad was going too and i said do you want to hunt with dad or do you want to hunt with honey you know you get your choice who you want to sit with and and, um, and he said, well, I, you know, I hunted with honey yes, last time. I'll hunt with you this time. And then I said, now, look, I, I, you know, like you got to be quiet and, and I'm going to be out here, you know, for a while. He goes, no, 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 I get it. I got it. And so, so we go out there and, and so, so we get out there and, and he's got um, a Gatorade. I let him buy Gatorade. So he's got the big, the big Gatorade. And, and as I'm hunting and I'm looking, I'm noticing he's just steady drinking that Gatorade. You guys know where I'm going already. And so he's drinking the Gatorade, drinking the Gatorade, and, um, and then he gets done with the Gatorade. And so we're just sitting there chilling, and, and I look out, and I see a tail, and I was like, uh-oh, there's a deer. And so I look through my binoculars, and as I look through, this deer, instead of coming out into the open, slipped back into the woods right behind um, our little open area where we want to shoot. And so, so he's in the woods, and I can see the body kind of moving, and I'm like, this is a big deer. And then all of a sudden I see one quick little shot of his head and he's got a big rack and he's got a big neck and this is a big deer. This is a lot of meat for my freezer, but he, he's staying behind these trees and I can't get a shot on him. And, um, and he kind of slips off to the side. And I told Colt, I said, there's a big boy out there. There's a big boy out there and he's coming back. And when he comes back, I'm going to shoot him and we're going to take him home. And Colt's like, okay. And so the whole time I'm fixated, I'm fixated on this deer. 
and I'm looking through the woods the whole time. Like my eyes are burning because I'm not blinking. I've got my binoculars and I'm just doing this the whole time. And all of a sudden Colt starts going. It's starting to get a little bit dark. Like the sun's going down. It's getting a little bit colder. And Colt goes, Dad, Dad, I've got to go to the bathroom. I said, hold it. The deer's not here yet, but he's coming. Don't worry, he's coming. He goes, okay. About five minutes later, Dad, I really got to go to the bathroom. And I said, use the Gatorade bottle. And he said, Dad, I drank the whole Gatorade bottle. I'll fill it back up because what goes in is going to come out. And I was like, it doesn't work that way. Just be quiet. I'm looking for the deer. You know, he's coming. And so then, then I'm still fixated on this deer. And after a while, I was like, you know what? This joker's not coming out. And, but I'm still going to stay here and look. And I finally was like, just slip out of the back of the tent and go all the way to the Jeep and just use the bathroom back there. And don't come back because I'm looking for this deer. The deer never came out. Um, but the idea is you got to count the cost. Colt needs to understand there's a cost to drinking a full bottle of Gatorade in the deer stand. Right? There's a cost to that. And you will pay. You will pay. And Dad already told you he ain't leaving. You know, I'm not leaving. I'm fixated on this big deer. If it wouldn't have been a big deer out there, if I would have seen nothing, I probably would have left a little bit early with him. But the minute I saw that big deer, I was fixated. And I was like, you, my son, are in trouble. Like, I don't care what happens to you at this moment. I've got to find this deer. You need to be willing to count the cost. Um, There's going to be some things, as you make your New Year's resolutions, there's going to be some things that's going to cost you. You need to think about the one thing. And you think about what is that one thing going to cost me? The third thing is this. Being complete starts in the heart, not in the actions. It starts in the heart, not in the actions. I can tell you a lot of things to do uh, to, to read your Bible better. You know, that, that seems to be one that a lot of people like to do in church. I want to read my Bible this year. I can give you all the reading plans. As, as a matter of fact, my wife has one that she uses. I've got one that I use. Uh, we'll post them on Facebook if you guys want to want to jump in on those reading plans. I love doing a reading plan. I've got the Bible on my phone. It reads to me. It keeps me up with the, with the, the plan. I love it. But listen, if your heart's not behind it, if you don't have a why on reading your Bible, if the only reason you want to read your Bible is because you just want to read your Bible better, you want to do better, the rich young ruler had a lot of things he was doing good, but he was still missing something. Listen, it's not about just reading words on a page. It's allowing the words on the page to change your life. It's allowing the words on the page to connect you with Jesus so that you know him better and you know his thoughts, you know his, his ways. This is the, the reason we got to read our Bible. See, there's a heart behind it. And when I have the heart behind it, the heart helps me get through the times whenever it's, I'm tired and I don't want to get up and read my Bible and, my, and, and, and I'm sick or I'm busy. The heart is what pushes me through to do the things that I need to do. And so it's important for you to understand there's got to be a why behind what you do. Because the why is going to push you whenever nothing else is working. And, and one of the things we notice about the young man, it says he went away sad. So Jesus told him it's going to cost you something, and the young man went away sad. The word sad there means deep emotional pain. As a matter of fact, it's the same word sometimes used when it, the same word for pain, sad is pain. It's the same one that is sometimes used for giving childbirth, like for, for having for the pain of childbirth. That's how deep and emotional this pain was for this young man. In other words, it wasn't just, I'm just upset. It's deep emotional, heart sick kind of pain. Speaking of outdoor stories, my oldest son yesterday, while I was hunting with Colt, and Colt's having to go to the bathroom, Gabriel is out on the lake fishing, and while he's fishing, 
He's got his $300 rod and reel that he saved up and bought himself, and he goes to cast it, and when he did, he cast the whole thing. An amazing cast in the middle of the lake. And he said, and it just went swoop right to the bottom. And he's texting me. I was like, take off your clothes and dive in the water. Like, go get it. And he was like, Dad, it's 60 feet down. And I'm like, you don't know that. Try, you know, like whatever you got to do. So when he got to dinner last night, he had deep emotional pain. <laughs> this young man was deep and emotional. Why? Because it was tied to his heart. His money, his things, his possessions were tied to his heart. And when Jesus said there's a change that needs to be made, there's one thing you lack. The one thing that he lacked was something in his heart. See, that's why Jesus says it's hard for the rich man to go to heaven. Why? It's not because he's got a lot of stuff, because a lot of stuff doesn't change you. It's whenever your heart is tied to your stuff. And then he wants the stuff. It changes you. Your heart gets hurt, right? And so the Bible says this in Psalm 139, 23 through 24. We use this a lot. I like it. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Before you start making a New Year's resolution this year, willy-nilly, why don't we pray this verse? Why don't we say, God, search my heart. Is there anything in me that needs to change? Is there anything in my heart that offends you? Is there anything in my heart that, is there the one thing in my life that you say needs to change? The Bible says this in Proverbs 23, I mean, 4, 23. It says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. You need to understand your heart will determine the things that you do. Your heart determines the things that you do. I was listening to a commercial the other day, and it was this lady, and she was talking about how her grandmother had died at, um, some, you know, in her thirties, uh, because of lung cancer from smoking. And then her mom died in her thirties because of lung cancer from smoking. And, and she said, um, she said, and now I'm in my thirties and I smoke. And she said, I've made up in my mind, I've got to quit because I don't want my daughter to go through what I've been through. So it wasn't just a matter of, Oh, smoking's icky. I'm going to stop. It wasn't a matter of smoking makes me smell bad. I'm going to stop. It was, there's a heart change happening. I've seen death in these two other generations. I've got to stop because I love my daughter so much. You see what I'm saying? It was a heart issue. It wasn't just an action issue. We've got to change the heart. The heart will change the actions. And then the last thing is this, and this is where we're going to end the day. We're only complete when we're in Christ. We're only complete when we're in Christ. Listen, you can be the healthiest person in the room. You can have the most money in the room. You can have the best relationships in the room. But if you're not in Christ, there's something missing. If you're not in Christ, there's something missing. The Bible said this. Jesus said to him, he said, go sell all your possessions and then come follow me. The key thing that Jesus says to this young man is come follow me. You know, today we have all these followers. If you go on Insta, uh, Instagram or, or TikTok or Facebook or all these things, they have what they call influencers, Right? Now, I know I already said the thing about the floss. I get it. I'm the old man in the room now. Um, but at least I do know about influencers. My, my wife, every so often, will tell me, she'll say, there's this influencer I follow, and they say to clean your house like this. Or, or Anna sometimes will text me, and she'll say, this influencer I follow, they tell me that this exercise is really good for you, you know, or whatever the case is, which all these influencers that we follow. Me, I follow people that post videos about falling down all the time, so mine are... 
I've got nothing really to help you with. But, but there's other influencers out there, right, that, that people follow. And we follow all these influencers. And we think, if I just follow the right person, then they're going to help me with my marriage. If I follow the right person, they're going to help me with my health. If I follow the right influencer, if I can get the right one to help me with my money, if I can just... If I can get on Dave Ramsey's Instagram account and just listen to Dave Ramsey over and over, and then my finances are going to be better. Listen, there are good people out there, but if we're not following Christ, what's the point? If we're only being influenced by people on social media, if we're only being influenced by people on TV, then we're not really being influenced the way we need to be influenced. We need to be influenced by Jesus Christ. Jesus said, if you want to be perfect, you want to be complete, you come follow me. The word follow means this in the Greek. It means to conform wholly to his example. To conform wholly to his example. So when I read about Christ, when I pray, uh, when, when I worship, I'm learning more about him. And then I've got to reflect my life versus his. And is my life conforming to his example? See, we, we've got, we, we've got a, a, a thing in our in our house, and it's, it's, it's a cup holder that goes in our cabinet that some influencer said, this is the way to organize all your cups in your cabinet. And so now we have this cup holder in our cabinet. We have, in a small way, conformed to an influencer. But am I conforming to Christ? Am I conforming? Is my life changing little by little, one thing at a time, to be closer to who he is and less of who I have been? Colossians, and this is where we're going to end today. As a matter of fact, you can stand up with me today. We're going to close out. We're going to pray. Colossians 2, verses 6 through 10. Listen to this, this is so good. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord... You must continue to follow him. Paul says, listen, it's it's not just about praying the prayer at the altar. It's about following him every day. Continue to follow him. Continue to, to be conformed to his image. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Verse 8. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that comes from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. For Christ is... Uh, For in Christ, this is huge, in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. Verse 10 is key. This is the last one. So you also are complete through your union with Christ, who is head over every ruler and authority. Paul says you and I are complete when? When we're in Christ. When we're in Christ. When we've given everything to Him, when we've conformed to Him, we've counted the cost, He's showing us the one thing and we're working on the one thing. Why? Because we're conforming to Him. We're following Him every day. Every day. I want to pray for you this morning. And and as I pray, we've got some prayer team people that are going to come down to the front, some of our prayer team members, and they want to pray with you. 
If you've got anything you need to pray about today, maybe God's speaking to you today about a one thing. Maybe there's something in your life that needs to be transformed. Maybe the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you through this message about a one thing that you need today. Whatever it is, we want to pray with you. Maybe it's your marriage or your money. Maybe it's your faith. Whatever it is today, we want to just pray with you. So, Lord Jesus, I just pray over our church right now. I pray over this family, myself included, and I just ask you, Holy Spirit, to speak to our hearts. I ask you to to, to reveal to us, just like David said in, in the Psalms, search our hearts, O God, and see if there's anything in me that offends you. Is there anything in me, God, that's lacking? Is there anything in me that's missing, God? What is the one thing, God, that I need today? What is the one thing that puts me on the path to complete? The one thing, God, that you want to work on in my life so that I can be whole and complete, not missing anything. God, today, our desire is to know you. Our our desire is to follow you. Our desire is to be conformed to your image. We love you so much and we thank you today in Jesus' name.